For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you, that is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Lovely. My name is Stephen Demetrio. I'm the youth minister at the church. Um, let's pray together um, using some words from Psalm 19. Father, may these words of my mouth and this meditation of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We're carrying on looking at Ephesians chapter 3, uh, or Ephesians, looking at chapter 3 today. Uh, but before we get there, um, back in my uh, sixth form, my A-level math teacher was a guy called Dr. Yates. Uh, and Dr. Yates, he was awesome. He knew his subject inside out, like, like the head of the department absolute legend but Dr. Yates well he was very easy to sidetrack he was a sidetrack specialist see you know, we've all had the kind of teachers you know you get them talking about a certain subject and off they go down a path down a rabbit hole and lessons go out the window that was Dr. Yates and his subject was German Star Trek because someone in the class like someone in the class found a video of him dressed in a Star Trek uniform speaking fluent German, like to other people in Star Trek uniforms. It was so weird. And so, when everyone wanted to, to, to derail a lesson, we'd just say to him, German Star Trek. And he was gone. Down the sidetrack, off he went, lesson gone, happy days. Uh, that's Dr. Yates, the, the sidetrack specialist, Dr. Yates. And as we're reading Ephesians 3, verse 1, we think, well, maybe Paul's got sidetracked. Have a look at verse 1. Um, he says, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, uh, for the sake of you Gentiles. And then he sort of trails off. 
he sort of like stops mid-sentence and then picks that up again down in verse 14. If you have a look, we'll look at that next week. But he picks up his train of thought there. And so we're left asking, like, what is going on? What's happened to, to Paul? Has he been distracted by German Star Trek? Maybe, maybe that, that, that's the reason he's trailed off. What is it? See, we need to try and get the context of Ephesians 3. Because this bit comes right after Paul's been talking about how Jesus' death on the cross unites people together to make them one brand new humanity. And he's talking to these Jews and Gentiles and about to start praying for them. When he realises he needs to kind of explain his situation. Because look how he starts. I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus. And he realises, oh wait, I need to explain what it means for me to be a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Because as Paul writes a letter, he's in prison. He's in prison for talking about Jesus. Uh, and, and people might be feeling sorry for him, thinking, oh no, poor Paul. Or, or, or they might be thinking, oh no, that could be me next, watch out. Or they might be thinking, oh, Paul's in prison. Forget what he has to say, he's not important, he's not a big deal. And so Paul kind of shows them, well, why he is in such a privileged position. He shows them why actually he is someone who is blessed. Because look how he ends in verse 13. He ends this section by saying, Therefore, don't be discouraged because of my sufferings, which are for your glory. He's got a positive, cheery attitude to being in prison. Like, that's not like me. If I'm in chains, um, I'm grumbling, I'm moaning, I'm complaining to anyone I can find. But not Paul, he's cheery and positive. In fact, have a look at verse 2. Look what he says. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. This man ain't grumbling. He's not complaining. He's grateful. He's like looking at the positives, like going, wow, I'm blessed. And in fact, he's got this attitude of gratitude which comes up three different times in verse 2, in verse 7, in verse 8. The same little phrase. God's grace was given me in verse 2. Verse 7, God's grace given me. Verse 8, God's grace given me. It's like... He's seeing how blessed he is, how privileged he is. That's mind-blowing, isn't it? Especially because for us, oh, well, if you're like me, we complain and moan and groan about our situation so often. Paul's telling us, rather than that, focus on the blessings. Think about what God's given you. Have this attitude of gratitude that he's got. And see, Paul is so privileged. He's so, like, lucky because, well... He knows a great mystery. He knows the answer to a great mystery. Um, does anyone happen to know what the uh, longest continuous running uh, West End show is in London? Anyone know? Mousetrap. Yes, Fiona, Mousetrap. Mousetrap, this is Agatha Christie's uh, um, um, murder mystery turned into a play, uh, um, and it's like a crime thriller thing, a whodunit kind of thing. Um, and Lizzie and I went to go and see it a few um, years ago. It's great. But as with all murder mysteries, I'm sitting there, watching it all unfold, just thinking, what? Like, who's the one to blame here? Who's the real murderer? What is going on? I had no clue. Until the end. Because the end is like the best bit, isn't it? Like, like, like the inspector, the, 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 the policeman walks in, looks around the room, all the suspects, and it's that big reveal. You finally know who's done it. The mystery is it, it, revealed before your eyes, and you go, wow, of course, it all makes sense now. 
I won't tell you who's done it because that will ruin the surprise. But, um, but, 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 but Ephesians 3, uh, verses 1 to 13, is kind of like Paul, that detective moment. The end of the crime drama thing. He, he's explaining this great mystery to us. See, the mystery is revealed. And like all good detectives, Paul kind of uh, whets her appetite. He, he, he prolongs it. He, he, lets it. he lets it go out for a little bit, draw it out to make us more and more excited to know the answer. In verses 3 to 5, look how he does it. So, so verse 3, um, he, wants, he wants us to understand this mystery and get to know it. But before that, he teases us a little bit. Verse 3, he says, The mystery was made known to me by revelation. So, this mystery wasn't like um, found out in a normal kind of way. It wasn't like learned from books or textbooks or things. No, this was given to him divinely from God. This is a divine mystery given to him specially from God. And we're like, whoa, that's exciting. Have a look at verse, um, verse 4. He says, in reading this, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. So by reading Ephesians... We can get to know this divine mystery. Oh, that's exciting, right? That's exciting. And in verse 5, verse 5, this was not made known to people in other generations. We're part of an exclusive club. Like for your eyes only kind of thing. This mystery. Oh, and by this point, verse 5, we're like, come on, Paul. Tell us the mystery, man. We want to know. And he does. Verse 6. The mystery is revealed. Have a look at it. The mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. The mystery is revealed. And really really simply, the mystery is that anyone can be part of God's people by trusting Jesus. That's his big mystery. And we may be thinking, oh, what? That's it? (laughs) But this is astounding. And Paul shows us why it's so astounding to be part of God's people in verse 6. In fact, he gives us three reasons why being one of God's people is so special. And in fact, this is so mind-blowing to Paul that he has to kind of invent brand new words to get this across. He, he, He kind of has to make up some new language because the old ancient Greek just isn't good enough it doesn't quite grasp the magnitude of what he's saying. Uh, it's a bit like um, when uh, William Tyndale was uh, translating the Bible into English. Um, he was trying to get across like, what Jesus' death on the cross had done for everybody. And, and there was no English word good enough for it. And so he invented a brand new word. Atonement. at one moment, Because there was nothing in English that could do it justice. So he made a brand new word. That's what Paul's doing here in Ephesians chapter 3. He's making a new word. To show us how special it is to belong to God's people. So let's have a look at why it's so special. Um, The first reason. See, God's people are heirs together with Israel. This means, for Christians, we have a future that is unbelievable. But it's believable. (laughs) That's so genuinely special and mind-blowing. We get to live with God. We get to be close to our God in a way we're not at the moment. We get to see our God. We get to worship and serve our God in perfection, in glory, in beauty, in peace and safety and joy. That's our inheritance. 
Being one of God's people is awesome, right? Heirs with Israel. That's the first one. Second one. Um, we're members together of one body. Um, Richard Cokins said, No one is in a church accidentally, and no one is unnecessary. That's what it means to be part of a body. That means you are not part of this church by accident. Isn't that cool? That also means you are necessary to to, to the life and functioning of this church. Oh, that's awesome. That means uh, there's no room for feeling proud and superior. And no room for feeling uh, inferior and rubbish. Because every single one of us is a body part vital to make the church function and work. It's awesome being part of God's people, right? And then then the third, the third blessing of being part of God's people. We're sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. And this is Paul kind of getting us us to look back at Ephesians 1 verse 13. If you have a little flick back at the back of the page, you'll see it. Um, Paul says, When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. The promise of Christ Jesus. As Christian believers, we have the living God inside us and with us. The Holy Spirit who empowers, who strengthens, who guides, who who counsels, who changes us and transforms us, who is with us every step of the way. We have access to Ezekiel 36, the promised Spirit. Yes. It is truly special being one of God's people, right? The mystery is revealed. Anyone can be part of God's people through Jesus. And verse 6 just shows us how brilliant it is to be one of God's people. And have a look at verse 5. Because we're in a real privileged position here. Verse 5 says... This was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. We sitting here in 2020 are more privileged than Moses, than Elijah, than Abraham, than these legends of faith. See, see, they knew part of this plan. They knew God was going to bring the Gentiles into God's people, but they didn't know how it was going to happen. We get to sit here at the other side and see the whole plan of God in action, in effect. We get to sit here and look at the cross and marvel at God's brilliant wisdom and plan. See, this is how God makes one people together. On the cross, his son died to bind us together. It was the only uh, binding agent strong enough. Metaphorically, he was ripped apart so we could be brought together. The son died on the cross so we could be called sons and daughters. He was despised and rejected by people so that we could be brought into a brand new people of God. That's the secret. That's the mystery. We get to see Jesus and go, wow, that's how he did it. The mystery is revealed. Anyone can be part of God's people through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Including you here in this room. In fact, all of us can have access to verse 6 and those blessings by trusting Jesus. Isn't that remarkable? The mystery is revealed. Now, back at um, Mousetrap, they always end the show the same way. So when Lizzie and I went, they ended the show the same way they have 
been doing since 1952. Um, one of the actors walks to the end of the stage after the applause and claps and stuff, and she'll look at the audience, and she'll say, um, you've seen the mystery in front of you. You know who did it. But don't tell anyone. And then all the actors will go, shh. But because like, like mysteries are meant to be kept secret, right? That's, that's kind of the point of them. Uh, it's like at primary school. Um, I used to hate it when everyone found out who I fancied in the class. Because like, I told one person, what are you doing? Then the whole class suddenly knows it's the worst. Because like, mysteries and secrets are meant to be kept secret. Well, not this mystery. Uh, the mystery that God has made a way to bring people together and to himself is to be shared by his people. Have a look at verse 7. See, this is why Paul's in prison. Because, well, he says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Paul realized that the mystery is to be shared. Because the only thing we can do once we realize how amazing it is that God would die on a cross to bring us together into himself is to share that beautiful mystery. Uh, John Stott, he said, um, if men cannot keep their scientific discoveries to themselves, how much less should we keep to ourselves the divine disclosure? Oh, beautiful, isn't it? The mystery is to be shared. And did you see what Paul talked about with the Gentiles in verse 8, what he preached all about? He said um, his job was to preach the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. So he was telling people not only how they could become part of God's people, but also how they could have access to, to, to the spiritual billions um, uh, uh, available to every single Christian believer. See, every single Christian believer is a spiritual billionaire, like rich beyond measure. That's what Ephesians 1 and 2 tell us, don't they? And I'm like, that's what we're inviting people into. This incredible riches of spiritual blessings, this treasure trove that, that awaits anyone who trusts in Jesus. The mystery is to be shared. And maybe you're sitting there just a bit uh, done with talking about Jesus to your friends and family because you've done it over and over and feeling just battered and bruised by it. Please be re-inspired, reignited by thinking that you're inviting them to share in God's people and God's inheritance for his people. And it's awesome. So how could you do that with friends and family at work or at school? Could, could you get involved from here at church in kids' work, in um, cameo, in, in student work, in youth work? We'd love to see you. Because if we know the mystery, we share the mystery. And actually, no excuses kind of work either. Have a little look at verse 8, what Paul says about himself. Paul says, although I am the least, or less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me. We think of Paul's background, and this kind of, sort of starts to make sense. He was a guy who persecuted the church, who hated the church. He was a thorn in the side of all Christians for a while. That's pretty weak and powerless and, and far away from God, isn't it? And in fact, his name um, um, in Latin is powerless, which kind of uh, means small or little. So when he's saying verse 8, it's kind of like a little play on words. He's like, I'm little by name, little by nature, little in skills, little in talent. I'm little in every kind of way imaginable. And yet God wants to use me. 
What a great challenge for us when we feel too sinful or too weak or too little to be used by God. He wants to use us. Because the mystery is to be shared by his people. Because God's got some big, big plan going on here. Have a little look at verse 10. This is his, his humongous plan. Oh. Verse 10. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. God's big plan, the mystery is to be displayed by his people, by the church. The mystery that Jesus died on the cross to bind people together and to God is to be shown and sparkling out to the universe by his people, the church. Um, yesterday was the uh, KO quiz. And thanks for coming, by the way. Uh, this, this is what everyone was playing for. This is why, why they were there. The, the, the trophy, the KO plate. Precious stuff. See, last year, the syncopated siestas won this plate. Uh, and, and it showed their quizzing prowess over all of Hove. They sparkled with their wisdom and their might in quiz stuff. Uh, this year, oh, actually, it was on display in the Sargene House. For the whole year, you could see it. Proudly displayed. Look how good we are. <laughs> um, this year, uh, KOOKs, or the Kooks, have won it. And no doubt it's been on display in Hove somewhere nearby, um, showing off their power and might in the cuisine realm. Because like a trophy, right? A trophy shows um, how brilliant the trophy winner is, doesn't it? A trophy is all about showing how great the trophy winner is and has been. Like the KO plate. Precious. <laughs> um, and, well, the church is God's trophy in God's trophy cabinet. The church shows how great and beautiful he is. It's on display. Have a look at verse 10. That through the church, the manifold, that kind of means multifaceted wisdom of God, uh, should be made known to the cosmos. Um, Caroline Lee, she said, um, God is glorified when the power of the gospel unites people who have little in common. That's how the church displays God's glory. She, she is so right. Like when different people come together to worship one God, it beams out glory to God and to Jesus. Oh, she is so right. See, the mystery is displayed by his people to the entire cosmos. Did you see who's watching in verse 10? Have a little look down in verse 10. Um, the wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authority in the heavenly realms. The Bible tells us that there's this unseen spiritual dimension out there that we can't see. So with beings that we can't see, but who can see us. And they're watching us. And in Ephesians later on, we kind of learn rules and authorities as like shorthand for, 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 for spirits that aren't very nice, like evil spirits and um, minions of darkness. And yet the church should terrify those beings. The church should fill them with fear. It's a bit like every time I walk past uh, Smokies in Brighton. This is a little uh, barbecue joint down um, along the seafront. Lovely place. Last time I went there, um, well, I went for the barbecue blowout platter. It's a lot of meat on a plate, right? A lot of meat. And proud, arrogant Stephen thought... 
I can do this. Got this in the tank. So just munching away, munching away. After 35 minutes, the meat sweats are coming down. It's bad news. Uh, And the platter was still standing strong. I lost to the platter. It defeated me. And in fact, it was so bad. A bit gross. I had to go outside and throw up in a gutter in Brighton. Sorry, too much information. But, but, but every time I walk past Brighton, every time I walk past Smokey's Diner or drive past it, oh, it's like the sight of my defeat. I look at it and just like dread it, thinking, no, it defeated me. And that's the church for these uh, uh, unseen spiritual forces. Here's what Chris Green said. The mere existence of a church demonstrates that Christ has been victorious and is enthroned. The malevolent beings who hate and defy God are forced to see the evidence of his might and their destruction every time they see the church. Isn't that incredible? The mystery is displayed by his people, uh, the church. And this is God's plan for a long time. Look at verse 11. This is God's plan according to his eternal purposes. So we as a church have been part of God's eternal plan to show the whole cosmos that Jesus has broken every barrier. That his death has brought together different people to love and serve God for eternity. The mystery is displayed by his people. We are, are that trophy on God's mantelpiece that just shows how beautiful Christ is. Oh. Isn't that amazing? Doesn't that make church something real special? The mystery is displayed by his people Sunday by Sundays. So right now, we are displaying this great mystery. And so two things for us, I think, to do. One is to be the church, and two is to love the church. Uh, We are to be the church. Um, Church is not a hobby. It's not a little pastime. It's not a social club we come to to meet our friends and have a good time, no. Church is central to the cosmic and eternal plan of our God to glorify his son, Jesus. And if it's central to God then shouldn't it be central to our lives too? Let's make it a priority to be here week in, week out, to be involved, to be serving, to be singing loud too. I mean, how can we take something so lightly that God takes so seriously? Uh, How can we push to the sidelines something that God has placed so firmly in the centre of his cosmic plan for eternity? Like, let's be the church. And let's love the church too. Uh, maybe you're sitting, sitting here just a bit disillusioned with church, a bit frustrated, maybe angry at a few things and how things are done, down about it. Well, why not pray? Ask God to see church as he sees it. This multifaceted diamond that, that sparkles with his glory and wonder. Ask God to see the church like he sees it. Because uh, if we love the church, we'll see it differently. And actually, if we love the church too, we'll talk about it differently. Um, when I first started this job as a, as a youth minister, um, I, I was walking on the road with Matt Jones, having a little chat about uh, churches and stuff. And I was talking in a really unkind way about a church that I've been to back in the past. And Matt, Matt stopped me and, and said something that 
I still remember even to this day. I don't know if he remembers it, but anyway, stop me. But, 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 but he, he, walking along, he says, hey man, that's how Matt speaks, hey man. Um, he says, like, that's Jesus' bride you're talking about there. Oh, man, I was rebuked. But he was right. Like, how dare I talk so flippantly about something which, which God loves and is so precious and genuinely uh, like, important to him? We need to change how we talk about church. Because do we go home and moan and complain about, about the people, about the music, about the preacher? Or do we rejoice at the fact that there's different people brought together by one Jesus to sing and praise and bring glory to him? See, church is incredible because of what Jesus has done. So let's see it like that. Let's love it like that. Love the church. See, be the church and love the church because the mystery is displayed by his people. Ephesians 3, the basic message is the mystery has been revealed. That anyone and everyone can be part of God's family, God's people, through the death of Jesus. And isn't that exciting? And for Paul, he says, verse 13, Therefore, don't be discouraged by my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. Because he gets it. He gets it that he not only knows this mystery, he's part of the mystery. And he's part of sharing that mystery with others. He's like, I'm so privileged. Don't be discouraged by me. Be excited. Rejoice. And for us here too, if we know and trust Jesus, we too know the mystery. We're part of the mystery and we're involved in sharing the mystery. What an awesome privilege. Let's, Let's pray. Father, please help us to see your bride, the church, differently. Help us to see that your intent was that through the church the manifold wisdom of yourself will be made known to the rules and authorities in the heavenly realms. Lord, help us to rejoice in that and delight in that. This mystery is incredible and thank you we get to share in it. Amen.